Welcome to Doing Good Business, the podcast where personal and professional development meet. I'm Laura Heacock, a leadership coach and talent acquisition consultant, and I'm joined every week by my co-host, Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, training you to bring positive business practices into any company. Doing Good Business is the podcast that teaches you that doing good business is not only possible, it's profitable. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Doing Good Business podcast. I am Laura Heacock, joined as always by Kelly Stewart, and we are so excited to continue the conversation on organizational energy. Our guest today is Lisa Sordelia, the VP of HR at a company called Energage, which happens to be in the Philadelphia area, which is what Kelly and I call uh, home for ourselves. And there's kind of a funny story I went to the uh, Pennsylvania Conference for Women last year, which is, I think, the largest women's conference in the country. I think it is. Yeah. And as you can imagine, you know, 10, 12,000 women, there are some lines for the restrooms. And I struck up a conversation with this lovely human who happens to be Lisa in that line for the restroom. And we happen to be going to the same breakout session. And I'll just give a little hat tip to all of the male allies out there. If you're at a women's conference and you're in a breakout session specifically around how to be an ally, maybe don't be the first to get to the mic when it gets to the Q&A section. So Lisa and I had a great laugh about that. And he was a lovely gentleman. It just kind of was a funny experience that we shared and just really hit it off. And I learned a little bit more about her company, Energage, and Kelly was as excited as I knew she would be. And and here we are. So Lisa, with that humongous introduction, would you be kind enough to share a little bit about you and your company? And also thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, and I also enjoy that story. Um, (laughs) Thanks for bringing that back up. Um, So a little bit about myself. I started my career in social work and um, found that an easy uh, field to transition into human resources a little bit later in my career. I have always had the desire to want to help people and found that in HR, I get to help businesses grow by finding the right people, and I get to help employees, you know, launch a new career, grow and develop, or even exit a company with grace and, uh, you know, have a smooth transition. So I've really enjoyed my career in human resources, and in particular, I love my role at Energage because it's, it's a unique role where you work with a company that works in HR technology. So I was a customer of Energage. And, oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So I really understand the value. You know, our solution helps companies be able to measure, shape, and showcase their culture and to build uh, build a culture that gives them a sustainable competitive advantage. So it's a unique role being the VP of HR in a culture technology company that really is helping companies make their workplaces better. I love that. This is Kelly, Lisa, and we'll do that from time to time because people tell us we sound alike. <laughs> We're merging yeah. into one human eventually. It's fine. <laughs> but I, I I love that perspective, and, and it's probably very well-rounded to be HR in an HR company, right? It's like being a marketer in the marketing agency, yeah. the marketing the agency services. So. But I was wondering as you were talking about all of that, because I'm anxious to, to jump into the, the topic, thinking about the companies that you know that really do have a positive and productive level of organizational energy. Because I think some people think it's different. If it's positive, everyone's running around playing foosball and nothing is getting done. <laughs> or productive means everything is getting done, but people don't know the names of the people who sit next to them, right? So thinking yeah. about 
companies that have found a way to blend it both positive and productive. What are some of the things that you could tell us that they do to make that happen? What does that look like? Help our audience understand how do you get that blend? Yeah, I think at Energage, we talk about it internally as finding the right balance between purpose and performance driven because our purpose is making the world a better place to work together. And in order to do more of that, we have to have the performance component, right? So I would say the Mm -hmm. most important thing is that you have to align your business goals and your cultural priorities. If, if, you know, that's how you can have a really good productive business because if those two things are in conflict with each other, then you'll either have frustrated employees or you just won't get anything done. So I think that to me is critical is aligning your business goals and your cultural priorities. Um, I love that. Yeah. And that, that once you have that focus, then you can engage and empower people throughout your organization to help drive both of those things. Mm-hmm. And do you see that in organizations maybe where, you know, what type of organization? Is it the established organization, the younger organization? Is it the established organization that has the next generation of leadership in it? Is it just, it doesn't matter, it just happens where it happens? Or do you see any types of patterns where where companies can really align their purpose and performance? Yeah, I think that's the most interesting thing to me. And what I love about working in HR is that you get to work in different industries and different types of companies. And um, what we have found through our Top Workplaces program is that uh, the key characteristics that will make a company successful are really agnostic of industry, location, size. Um, it, It starts with the leaders at the company making it a priority to, you know, mm-hmm. their culture and to be intentional so that they can really leverage the culture to get the business results that they're looking for. So I think that's where it really starts. Um, right. one, thing, one thing that we do see across top workplaces is that their employees intend to stick around. They want to work for their company and mm-hmm. they, do that. they feel like they're in a relationship of sorts with their right. employees. It's not transactional. It's really a relationship. So they feel loyal to their employees and they intend to stick around. And that's one thing that we do see as a big differentiator between top workplaces and ordinary workplaces. Mm. Yeah, that level of commitment. How wonderful, right? So many leaders want it. Lisa, you just said a phrase that that caught my ear and that's intentional culture. You know, I think so often, um, you know, I, I personally, this is Laura, work with a lot of smaller companies and it's kind of people that started a business and suddenly they look around and the business has become a company and they're like, oh gosh, I don't know how to be a leader. I don't know how to put a structure in place. What is culture? So yeah. I I see a lot of accidental culture. I'm so curious yeah. about intentional culture and you know, what do you see as benefits of having an intentional culture and you know how do you guys support your clients in, in creating that? Because I mean, Kelly, again, Kelly and I obviously are drinking the Kool-Aid with this kind of stuff, but I love the phrase of intentional culture because mm-hmm. you're right. Like if you don't focus on it, it's just, it's going to happen and it can run away. So tell me a little more about that. Yeah, so I mean, my belief before I came to Energage is that every company has a culture and it's either going to just happen or you're going to be intentional about it. And that's really what we help our clients do is be intentional about what is it that you want from your culture? And then are you, you know, do your 
things like your values and your mission, do those things align with that? And is that how people really act? Like, are all of those things in alignment? So I think that alignment is important. And I think that certain businesses, like, for example, I used to work for a pet company, and it's so easy to be aligned with that. And at Entergage, it's easy sure. to be aligned, you know, with our purpose. But we see top workplaces that are manufacturing or, you know, things that, mm-hmm. you know, they're making things that maybe don't have an impact on their day-to-day life, but are important things to make the world go around. And so that's where being intentional about your culture can really help derive that. If there's not something that's an automatic connection, you've got to be intentional. And so I think it really starts with defining what is our desired culture? What is it going to help us do? And how does it tie to the business? Mm -hmm. I think that's so important because I think then that intentional culture and and what you put into it becomes a real key differentiator for businesses, especially in some of those industries that might be more um, like commodity based, where it's very yeah, hard not to differentiate. Sexy. Exactly right. right? So it's, it's about making it sexy. Yeah, I always yeah. said to Laura, you know, with this whole concept of doing good business, it doesn't get as much play because we know in. Um, you know, like the media, if it bleeds, it leaves, all that kind of stuff. I said, geez, yeah. if we could just find a way to slap some leather pants on this and <laughs> get a cigarette and put it outside by the, you know, loading dock, you know, we'd be on something. And, but I think, you know, this is a way, all, all joking aside, right, this is a way to to really establish a differentiator in a very meaningful way. Um, yeah. That if you're saving money because people are staying with you and they're committed to their work, mm-hmm. that's a, a huge bonus to the bottom line, which helps, especially if you're in a commodity-based industry where people complain mostly that there's no wiggle room for anything. And, and this yeah. says there is actually wiggle room. <laughs> there is something you can yeah. do. Yeah. I think the other <laughs> component for me is that it's also about um, once you, you know, you you act with that intention, it allows you to be authentic. And that, in turn, allows you, mm-hmm. you know, on my day-to-day in HR is a lot about recruiting and retention. And so you have to be authentic about your brand. You have to be able to amplify that to find the right people. I know we get right. really focused on finding great talent, but if that great talent isn't right for your organization, they're not going to be that great. Um, yeah. So you've got to find the right people. And so I think that's also where that authenticity ties in. You know, when you have the intention, the end result is you're going to be able to be more authentic and attract the right people. Yeah. I was, it's funny. I was listening to um, a different podcast yesterday and they had featured, it was all about culture and they had featured a case study of WD 40. And they really talked about how, mm-hmm. you know, you were talking about Kelly had mentioned if your, your company is a commodity and maybe it's not like, I work for, you know, the SPCA, so I can really yeah. get my heart behind my work. But what they had done, and I wish I, I'll try and look up the stat. If I can find the stat, I'll put it in the show notes. But, like, the bottom line impact was, like, 10x. And they didn't do anything for sales. It was all culture-based, and it really started at the top. And I'm curious, like, what other results do you see by supporting, you know, by the work that you're doing, like, creating this higher level of organizational energy, like, creating intentional culture? Like, what are the results that you guys are seeing from from spending the time to do that? I think first of all, before you answer that, I have to say that's the first I've heard that Laura listens to other podcasts. What? <laughs> I'm not sounded. <laughs> that's funny. It's it was a competitive intel. 
Exactly. <laughs> market, <laughs> wait, let me speak in Kelly language. It was market, market research, Cal, is fine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sorry, Lisa. That's okay. I think I forgot the question. Um, <laughs> what, are, what do you see as like, what are the benefits, you know, like, what are the benefits of creating an intentional culture of really escalating that organizational energy? What are your clients experiencing from doing that? Like, what's in it for me, basically? Yeah, I think one of the benefits um, we touched already on retention, but it it just really speaks to um, people that, to find that kind of intrinsic motivation. Um, they intend to stick around, and they know that um, people there really care about their concerns and are going to be committed to helping them learn and grow. Um, I think some of the as the activities play out in the way that I know we've you know deployed the intentional culture behaviors within our company. It also gives um, growth and development op- opportunities for early career professionals. And mm. so, you know, for those of us on the HR side, that's always another important thing, right? So that's uh, that's another benefit of it. But I think it really just allows you to focus on what is important. And again, going back to my earliest statement about aligning the business and cultural priorities. Um, so it's going to have bottom line results on the business because you've got employees who are uh, willing to go above and beyond because they're intrinsically mm-hmm. motivated. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's great. Very cool. Thank you. I appreciate it because I think, yeah. you know, like, again, like Kelly and I get it. And what we want to do is explain to company, you know, like one of the things that we say about the podcast is we want to show people that this isn't only possible, it's profitable, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. what's the point? You know, like, I can see the point of having an intentional culture because I've gone in and worked with leaders of companies that don't do that. And it's like, well, we've got these values, but we don't operationalize them in any way. So, okay. So yeah. what's the point? Of- but I think um, another, really- go ahead. I was just say another tactical way that this shows up is um, when your employees, uh, you know, have that relationship with your company, they're also proud about working at your company and they're more likely yes. to refer um, you know, friends and family, which that has an impact on the bottom line. You know, I'll take that ROI right. from my CFO any day, right? If I, I'd rather pay an employee referral, you know, fee as opposed to a staffing agency, um, yep. which, mm-hmm. you know, they do a lot to help support businesses too. So no knock against them, but it's also that, you know, that commitment that you're getting from your employees. So that's another way that that shows up is employee referrals. Absolutely. And, I, and just in brand ambassadorship, you know, when you're at a cocktail party or something and you're able to talk so passionately about where, what you do and where you do it, right? That you never know where that ends up. And now I have my new business development hat on, you know, marketing, right? The same type of thing. That's, that's a wonderful endorsement. So we're in this wonderful place. We feel good. The companies are working great. But in um, the episode that Laura and I launched, um, Previous to this, we talked about organizational energy, the two of us, and we were talking about the different types of energy. And of course, the flip of what we're talking about would be what we were calling like the resigned organizational energy, or you know, like we're here because nah, we're not it's really on fire, right? It's close to <laughs> home, right? All of those things, right? Or the corrosive ones where there's really kind of a, a toxic energy at play. Yeah. And so you know, I guess it's probably, maybe it's a, well, it's a one part question. I don't know. It's, it's one question with two, two parts to it. So I'm wondering, is there a turnaround story? If there's someone listening to our podcast right now who is like, wow, I, I, I think my company falls in one of those two categories. 
how can we inspire that person around the turnaround story? You know, are there essential ingredients, something that a company or the business leaders could do? Uh, maybe, an, maybe it is the mid-level managers. Is there something they can bring forward as a good first step to saying we need to change, right? And we need to change yeah. because the company needs to remain in business. And for all of the, the good reasons that we just talked about, the absence of those things is kind of um, an indicator of where the company is going to be going if they can't pull it together. So whether, I don't know if you've seen turnaround stories or if you just know from the, the research that Energage does, like how can they make it happen? So I could definitely speak to, you know, the research side, but I first wanted to speak to the personal side with Energage. We went through, um, we've been going through a transformation in terms of our business model. And so last year, just a year ago in January, we went through a reduction of force. And um, that was really, that was, I mean, that was the worst thing I've ever gone through as an HR professional, first of all. And as a human being, um, you know, not, not fun. And so we had to really focus on, you know, where we're going and what we're doing and really be able to pick up the pieces to move forward from there. That was a real shock to our organization that has uh, been an organization that cares so much about its people. And um, so really people couldn't understand how we, you know, at the end of the day, it was a business decision, but they couldn't understand how we could do that. And so we really had a lot, you know, to get through on our own. So we've been, you know, going through a transformation. And so what we have done, and I would encourage other people to do, is to really bring together a group of people that really care about your culture. And what we did was we started a group um, who is a culture advisory group. It's a cross-functional group of individuals that are mostly in individual contributors roles. They represent the different locations of our company. And um, we brought them together along with our middle managers and our senior leaders. And we we survey, of course, twice a year since we use our own mm-hmm. product. Um, good, so good. after our, our uh, so we did our reduction in January, we did our survey in April. And after that survey, we went through a series of workshops where we really looked at, okay, this is this is kind of where we are, but we're not going to be stuck here. This is not where we're going. So let's talk about what does that look like? What is our utopian culture? Then, you know, what steps do we need to take to get there? And we created, you know, the priorities that we needed to focus on as a group. And then, you know, the next session was figuring out, well, what are the actions that we need to take to get there and who's going to be responsible for those actions. And so for us, it was about forming that internal culture advisory group. Um, myself and another member of our senior leadership team are the executive sponsors of that group. And so they meet regularly. Um, we, you know, talk with them regularly. And so that, that's an example of what we have done um, here at Energage, and that's something that we would recommend to our customers, but the you know the very first step mm-hmm. is you've got to ask for feedback, and then you've got to be open to the feedback. Right. Oh, right. Not <laughs> I, would, I would I would almost argue that you have to be open to it as the first step because you yes. know you right. can ask yeah. all you want. Don't ask for it if you're not. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and I I did have that experience at one point in my career where someone asked, and I'm like, I don't know why we're asking. Not okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And actually, I've been asked that before, and I think it is. You know, you shouldn't ask if you don't 
if you don't want it. Because yeah, that does more right. harm than good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah, I was just gonna, I think that really is key that openness and I think no. therein could potentially lie a catch twenty two because you know sometimes it's it's hard to admit depending on the size of the company you know the closeness the longevity of, of yeah. the leaders it it could be sometimes challenging to admit that but we're certainly now operating in an age of business where increasingly the advantage goes to leaders who can kind of manage from the middle right and yeah. and kind of plug into what's happening in different areas of the companies and say a new thing that business leaders aren't comfortable saying, I don't have all the answers, right? right? Because it's not about having (laughs) answers anymore, right? It's about knowing where to get them and having that larger vision. Um, And that's what I loved about your story, your major story. Like, you know, we, we won't be here forever. Right. Mm -hmm. So there, that's, you know, phase one of the vision. Well, we know we're not going to stay here. So if a leader can have that and say, okay, this is more than what I know and can solve on my own. So let me reach out to others. I think that's a great recipe for success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got to have yeah. hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, hope and, and openness, right? Like the first yeah. thing, the company wants me to come in and do a 360 of a leader. Like my first question is why? And, you know, like, and does this person know? And are they open to the feedback? Because, you know, to the point, like, we're not going to be here forever. Let's make the best of it. But are you open to making those changes? Right. Are you open to looking at your energy and looking at the feedback and looking at your culture and, you know, shifting it in a positive direction. I'm curious, Lisa, you know, we talked a lot about the company as a whole and the clients, but, you know, personally, as a leader, you know, you're the VP of HR. How do you walk the talk for your team? You know, just as a leader on a daily basis, somebody who's got folks reporting to her, how do you maintain that? What are some of the things that you prioritize to kind of help yourself walk the talk that you're, that you're supporting? I mean, I think first it starts, with um, what you do when you're not at work. So a little bit of self-care, um, that is, you know, that's pretty important. Um, and then I think for me, it's always been about, you know, just as companies are looking for the right talent, I'm looking for the right place. And so when I have that right place, like I have at Entergage, it's, I don't, it's effortless. Um mm-hmm. I think that it is living by example, so it's that, you know, responsiveness, and even when I don't have the answer, you know, I don't know, but I'll get back to you, you know, let me talk to Tom, or let me talk to so-and-so, and I'll get back to you. Um, so I think just being willing to say that, or to ask people. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, exactly, or I don't know, what do you think? Um Right. What a great question. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what an open possibility, right. you know, question for that. It is yeah. a great place to start. Yeah, I think those are some of the most productive conversations, right? And, you know, like I I talk to leaders all the time. I'm like, look, I get it. It takes more time to, you know, let your leaders do their work and to, you know, not jump in and to make them come to you and to give them the training or to say exactly like you just said, Lisa, like, what do you think of that? I'm like, it's a bigger hit on on time on the front end, but I'm like, long term, mm-hmm. you're going to impact trust, you're going to impact yeah. safety, you're going to impact retention, you're going to impact all of these things. Like, we have to condition ourselves to get out of, you know, the I can do it faster, better, blah, 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 and start doing things like you just said, like, well, gosh, that's a great question. I'm so glad you came to me. What do you think about it? You know, let's have yeah. a dialogue instead of just, I'm just going to feed you the answer so that you can get out of my office the best way possible. <laughs> no, I think it is. It's, 
it's worth the investment of time. And that's how I feel also about like middle managers, right? They have the most impact on the employee experience at work. And so mm-hmm. you know, we've got to focus on giving them the skills that they need to do the management part of their job and all the interactions that they have. So for me and for my team who also, you know, touches every single person in the organization, um, it's, it's taking that time. And so one example that I use with um, someone on my team who is newer to HR, she was in another role in the company and transitioned. And so we have our weekly one-on-ones where we check in on our more tactical, you know, work, things that are happening. And then we have a monthly check-in where we just focus on a topic that she wants to learn about. And so nice. setting aside that time. And let me tell you, I've already gotten a return on that time because she's such a quick learner and has been able to apply and take things um, to the next level. So it's it really is yeah. worth that investment, but it is an investment of time. And I think that's the key is you have to recognize that you're making a long-term investment yeah. in the person. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that you're, you know, one of the, the weekly meetings is just around what she wants to do. And really, you know, like I talk about, you know, being in like the business aspect and the human aspect. And just to know, you know, I imagine if I put myself in that employee's shoes, like I know that my leader cares about me and cares about my growth. And, you know, maybe it's going to benefit my job. Maybe it's going to benefit me as a human. But this person recognizes that what benefits me as a human is going to benefit this company. Like, I love that strategy for your leadership. So thank you for sharing yeah. that. It's only once a month, but... Um... <laughs> you know what? It's twelve visit. times a year more than most people. Yeah, are doing. exactly. Yeah. No, it's worked. Yeah. It's worked well. I love that. Awesome. Well, Lisa, thank you so much. And you know, want to kind of check in with you. And what are you excited about? What do you, you know, what is Energage excited about? You know, let like toot your own horn because we think you and the company are amazing, and and we want our listeners to know why as well. So, what do you want to to share with us as we well, as we finalize our yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, I would say that um, I'm excited because we just opened an office in Phoenix. So we we wanted to expand to the West Coast to better serve our customers and to expand, you know, our talent pool. So we opened an office in Phoenix. So that's a pretty exciting um, thing that we've done in the last couple of months. And we, yeah. We are hiring, too, so if anyone out there is looking for a role where you get to connect with HR leaders and talk to them about topics like we're talking about here today, we're looking for people to join our team um, on the, you know, the customer-facing side on, in sales and sales development. So um, that's, that's what's happening, a lot of recruiting and um, growing and a lot of growth for our employees. Um, that's, I would say that's part of our part of our culture is that our our senior leaders are very accessible. We actually don't sit in offices. There's only two people that have offices, and everyone else sits on the floor. So we're highly accessible. We literally have an open door because we don't have doors. Um, <laughs> we have a no door policy. <laughs> exactly. So I think that I know that's one thing that you know working for a fast paced kind of high growth company is that can be a a differentiator for us. Um, you know, we're not a super large company, so we don't have maybe all the resources that larger companies do, but we have access to uh, leaders and and we empower people to, you know, take initiative and, and drive things throughout the organization. 
that that align with their personal passions as well. Well, we always love to hear about companies that are doing good business that are growing. So that is exciting. Absolutely, because the more good business you can do is wonderful. The more you're growing, that wins. The more companies you can be working Mm -hmm. with, inspiring and helping. And that is hope for all of us. Yeah, I think for us, it also is our connection to the B Corp community and really that movement, which is now in its second decade, and um, yeah. Intergage, which was, you know, Workplace Dynamics at the time as one of the founding members. And so That's right. seeing, that, yeah, seeing that movement really grow has been um, really just amazing. There's some amazing collective action that's being taken to, uh, you know, get rid of racism, to help uh, mm-hmm. to be an inclusive support for women, um, and to um, really a lot of effort on the climate um, you know, focusing mm-hmm. on climate uh, that's happening within the B Corp community. So we're also very, you know, happy and proud to be a part of that community. But we love the B Corps here yep. on the Doing Good Business podcast. <laughs> we're constantly heralding them and um, talking about that. And I think it's, I know this is, um, I think they're calling it their, their decade of action. So it's yep. incredible to think, you know, 10 years of building this base and yeah. how things are just really aligning when we need it the most. Now you're all ready to help make this happen. And we cannot thank you enough. Yeah. Awesome, Lisa. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Doing Good Business, designed to bring out the best in you and your company. We welcome your reviews and ratings and would love to hear from you. Send your comments, suggestions, and questions through our online form at doinggoodbusiness.com. Stay in touch with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. The Doing Good Business podcast is brought to you by Laura Heacock of Laura Heacock Consulting for all of your coaching and talent acquisition needs, and Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, helping you incorporate the social business paradigm into your company. Learn more about us and our respective services at the Doing Good Business website. Thanks again for listening and remember to expect good things from everything you do.